0: Hey, guys, this is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Well, I cannot wait for you to hear from my good friend, Latasha Morrison. She has been a good friend for a long time, and I wanted to bring her on because what's unique about our friendship is that, one, we put a lot of intentional work into it. Of any friend I have, I think we have been more intentional, and we have talked about the hard stuff. We have not backed down from um, hard conversations about race and about differences and about misunderstandings. And so, I I think this is a unique episode because you're going to get to hear what it looks like on the inside of a friendship that isn't always easy, and yet has produced probably some of the best fruit of any friendship I have. And so, I'm so excited you're here, Tasha. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, I'm glad to be here. I'm so excited for you and lots of
0: podcasts.
1: Like, yeah, look at that. I love it. Look at that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, it's been fun. Another reason I love Tasha is she is the biggest cheerleader in the world for people. It is. It's like she. She collects people. Like every time I see her, she's got like eight people with her um, that she's pouring into and investing in and cheering on. And I think it's one of my favorite qualities about you. I'm just glad that at some point in your life you decided I could be one of those people too. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like a group, like I, me and Tasha. So like, funny. it's true though. And I, I let's go back to the beginning of our friendship because it is really special. I've never had anybody um, sit down with me on a first friend date and do this, but we met actually um, over tacos with our friend Kim Patton, and it was kind of an intense first meeting. And she wanted to bring together some people that had attended If Gathering and that had thoughts about diversity and what it would look like to pursue greater reconciliation. And this was before Ferguson, and before everybody was talking about race like they are now, and and yet. Um, this was a really precious time because you all were brave and you came and you were honest and we had a long way to go. But so we started off our friendship with a lot of um, awkward conversations that first day.
1: <laughs> you, you tried to sound nice, Jenny. Okay, you tried to sound nice. But
0: we ambushed <laughs> How bad <was> it? <laughs> We ambushed <laughs> you, you. did. It was terrifying. I, I, <laughs> no,
1: because I remember thinking, you know, we were like, oh, this may feel awkward. It's, it's like four of us here and one of her. And we're like, look, we're going to just make sure, you know, um, because we we really thought the event was great, but we wanted to share how... Um, We thought it would be better, but we also we didn't just come to you with um, problems. We came to you with some solutions. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really imperative when we're having these type of conversations, you know, um, as, as we're listening and learning that you know, with, with you, we felt like we can provide solutions. And the thing was, it didn't scare you away. You know, you were, you listened and um, you listened intently. So that was good. So that kind of won me over a little bit because I thought you were going to shut down and we probably wouldn't <laughs> hear from you again. So it was kind of like, okay, she's willing to listen to the floor for black ladies. Okay. So, oh,
0: <laughs> so no, how it was the before? biggest answer to prayer. I mean, Tasha, yeah. it was the biggest answer to prayer. And from there, what we decided to do was to start to meet Regularly. And we yes. we formed something that at the time was,
2: um, no name. I'd never
0: heard of it, <laughs> uh, a racial reconciliation circle. And it was about 10 of our friends and it was intense. But, but before we get into that, I want to go to our second meeting. I don't know if you remember this. But you texted me and said, "This is so." We've met one time over tacos, Uh and then and my son is African American. My youngest son is is from Rwanda. We adopted him, and so you you texted me and said, "Where are you?" And I was like, "I'm at the gym." And you said, "Stay there." And you came to the gym, and you brought me a bag the size of Texas with (laughs) African American products, like like your new white friend that has a black son needed you, and you were going to show up, and it was so priceless I just I will never forget that moment and that was when I was sealed to you and and you asked me once you said Jenny did you think we'd be friends this long like when we met that first time and I said after you brought me that bag I knew we were gonna be friends for a long time because I was gonna fight to stay your friend because you were you were like giving me parts of life that I needed I mean you brought me ebony
1: magazine that was a mistake i just checked my bell no. and i just put it in the bag but then i think i i gave it to you and i think it was essence and i was like uh that's mine but you need that too because he needs to see himself in represented in your household you know oh you
0: and you keep doing it every time i see you you bring me presents for cooper and he studies them you are his favorite auntie because yeah. You bring him presents all the time. And you bring him such thoughtful presents. Like he brought, you know, Band-Aids that match his skin. You brought (laughs) these cards one time that had different African-American heroes. He literally studied them and memorized every one of them. So you just – you feed – my life in such a rich way. So yeah, I knew we would be friends for a long time, but let's, let's go to our and third we meeting. We do have
1: we're... to say that I don't do that to everyone. So I don't want people thinking that.
0: Um... <laughs> just because you're friends.
1: <laughs> yes. I want no, to be Latasha's so you. she can buy my sons and childs. <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> okay. Yeah, it was no. just, yeah, that was just our special connection. That's our special connection that we well, have.
0: And you became and an auntie My to connection and... with
1: Cooper and yeah. why I do those things. So.
0: Okay, so then we head into this racial reconciliation circle with several of our friends. So let's talk about that because that was a really pivotal moment for both of our lives. But talk about that from your perspective.
1: You know, from my perspective, we really didn't know. At that time, I was going through a lot. You know, I was in Austin, which was a totally different culture from from Atlanta. You know, um, no family, no friends moving there. And so there was a longing you know, of cultural enrichment that I needed there. And then, you know, but at that time, open My eyes to a lot. You know, I think there were things that were there, but sometimes you can't see it until God moves you out and to that next stone, you know. And I feel like Austin was that moment for me where there's things that I thought I understood and knew, but it wasn't until stepping out of the, the bubble that I was in, in Atlanta, where I really saw um, some of the things that God really wanted me to be a part of that I wouldn't be, would have been able to see if I had I stayed in Atlanta. And I think just the things that I started seeing as it relates to the racial divide, not specifically just in our country, but within the church, um, that was blazing for me to the point that there was an unrest, an unsettled. Um, um, I I also call it like this holy discontent that I had, you know, where I couldn't just go to a conference and experience what I was experienced without trying to see, like, what is wrong? Like, why aren't we a a true reflection of God's diverse kingdom? And um, why does does that just bother me or does it bother everyone? Why is it just bothering me? You know, in that sense. And so for me, you know, those conversations were because I didn't know what to do. And I think there's a lot of times when we, we're going through things and we feel this nudging from God. We don't know where to start, where to begin. But I think just that thing, just starting, just starting where you know to start. You know, sometimes we, we want it in black and white. And I think that's what we did. I think we started with having this difficult conversation with someone rather than just sitting around the table um, talking about it amongst ourselves and inviting you to the table to say, hey, this is what we're seeing. This is how we think it could be fixed. You could have been like, okay, no, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And then we moved. It doesn't mean that what we were saying was wrong and it doesn't mean that we stopped there, you know, but you were open and willing and then to take it to the next level where we started meeting. So those conversations were needed for me to also even understand these different lived experiences and perspectives. So they were important um, for me to to begin where God was starting us, you know, um, be- kind of beginning with the end in mind in the sense where we're starting right where we are with people we want weren't familiar with just having this dialogue, you know, and we use the restorative justice model, um, you know, Kim, you know, the organization that she and her husband laid the framework in which they use is that. And so I think that was a good starting point for us um, because it, it this process enables you to listen. one another. And so many times when we're doing this work, we don't listen. And so I think that was important. And then I also think what was unique about our group is we had just as many people of color in our group as we did white people. So we weren't overpowered or outnumbered in that sense. And I think that's important to this conversation because sometimes when you have just one or two people of color trying to carry this conversation or trying to educate. It can become exhausting, but we had, it was about six or seven of us in this conversation, you know, and we were going to try it and see, because to be honest, Jenny, you know, and I think I've told you this before, I didn't think people would continue to show up. I, th- yeah. I thought when it got hard and when it got difficult and when it became uncomfortable, And when life became busy, that people would not show up because we're used to people. Because we know at the end of the day, when it comes to cost, you know, as a person of color, we have more to lose, you know, in that sense. But we understand the awkwardness and the change and transformation also comes with the cost for those that are in the majority culture, those that are white. And so I really had no expectation because you know I was dealing with you know and I talk about this clearly you know before in interviews and I think we've talked about this where there was a distrust that I had as it relates to to white women specifically so my my the way I showed up in those conversations was to have no expectations so that I'm not hurt Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know and so I think that's you know, so in our conversations. So I needed that transformation of heart and and, and God sh- showing me that, hey, you know, you can, you can learn to trust again. You know, so I think, you know, th- so there was something I was gaining out of that time. And sometimes you just need to be heard, yeah. you know. And I think the women in our group, we needed an opportunity to share our stories and our experiences. Uh, we wanted to be heard. You know, we didn't so much want to listen, (laughs) but we wanted to be heard. And and you have to understand that even with and I think you guys did that well, where we really in our group, we decentered what we call um, whiteness in that sense, where really you guys weren't trying to make up stories, you know, and say, well, I experienced this and this happened to me. You were there really to listen.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's what we needed. Oh, it, um, and it
0: changed our, it changed everything yeah, for us too. Did. And, and I think this, you know, the grace that you extended us was that we said some things. I mean, I can, I mean, I can physically cringing looking back at some things that were said (laughs) because I have done a lot more work since then and would have better, you know, questions. And, and, but I, but I think that was the mutuality of the friendship was that you all needed us to listen, but we also needed grace from you and you gave it. Like you all gave us the grace to fumble over this and to be hurtful at times and to say, the naive, stupid thing, because, you know, again, I want to reemphasize this is before Ferguson. So, yeah. um, the, you know, people are not largely, I should say people, white people largely are not having this conversation. And so it is, we didn't have um, a guide.
1: We didn't have a yeah, guide. At the time. We were no, just really we're shooting going, in the dark. <laughs> yes, we were shooting at the dark. And yeah. so we've all come a long ways and we've, I know we've, we've learned a better way to have the conversations now, but for us, that's where we were. And so we created, um, you know, I often like to use the word brave space because in that brave space is that, cause there's going to be discomfort because sometimes when we use the word safe what's safe for you may not be safe for me. What's safe for me may not be safe for you. So we come with different definitions of what safe is. And so that can create a barrier. And so what we want to do is show up brave in these spaces where, you know, everyone's going to be uncomfortable and there's going to be discomfort on both sides. But just because you're uncomfortable or there's discomfort doesn't mean that it's wrong. And I think, at times there was discomfort, but everyone kept showing up um, and, and and listening. And that's what I appreciated. You know, I didn't know what everyone's role was and what they did at that time. I didn't know the people in that room um, at that time um, and, and how their lives outside of that. But I do know that everyone in, in the midst of work and children and traveling and all that um, was showing up and that was important. Um, you know, even with our social events and stuff like that. And I think
0: those were just this. Let's let's tell people some of the stuff we did, because it wasn't just sitting in a room talking about hard things. Go ahead.
1: We we did. um, We had happy hour uh, with one another. We celebrated birthdays with one another. We um, attended the funeral. And for some of the people in the group, it was their first time attending um, an African-American funeral. Um, And, you know, culturally.
0: We went went country dancing. Yes, we. Yeah, we did a lot of different things. (laughs) And And then Karen had us over and cooked incredible Asian food. And yeah, there there were some unique.
1: So we did a lot of fun things, you know, Um, you know, I think even I had. Easter at your house. My parents came into town and
0: yeah.
1: um, I had Easter. You had a, a what you call a, a friend Easter
0: or how, what do you yeah. call it? <laughs> I, don't friend's I think that's Friendsgiving. We had- <laughs> friend's give-
1: well, that's Friendsgiving. Friends, yeah, giving. But it was friends, Easter, friends yeah. over for Easter. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think that's what it's
1: called. <laughs> and I did that. And just, you know, and it continued beyond, you know, our, our specific group time. But, you know, there were a lot of things. And I think that's important because you want to get to know each other when we're talking about racial bridge building. You know, it's not just about proximity. You know, you want to be proximate to people. But along with that, there's a lot of people who are in proximity, but they're not learning anything. They're not educating themselves. They're just in proximity, but there's no change and transformation. And that can be very frustrating. I th- You know, I think it's important for us to state that Proximity is important, you know, it's the first step, but it's not the only step and it's not the last step. And so I think it was important because we were giving people articles to read. We were given books yeah. to read. Um uh, we, we went and blogs
0: movies. to we read. The, we did the march together. Oh yeah, the- we did
1: the MLK. That's we did it. do yeah. a lot of things when oh, I think get okay. we, really we did a lot of years. stuff, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I and I think it was cool because you weren't afraid to lead, and you weren't afraid to suggest things. And I think that that was what I appreciated so much because otherwise, remember in the beginning of our friendship, I kept t- taking you to restaurants and we'd sit on patios, and you're like, Jenny, I hate sitting on patios. Yes. <laughs> all black people? No, you didn't say all. You wouldn't have said that. But
1: you said this. No, you're like this particular black girl does not does like.
0: Not <laughs> And I mean, I was like, but I I think what I had to realize was, okay, Tasha, what do you want to do? Because I think what I love about our friendship is we are so different. We are so different. And yet, we've had these lanes that have really run next to each other with if gathering and be the bridge. Yeah. And, yeah. and we've been leader. we've become leaders together next to each other. And, and I think we've had a lot in common in so many ways, yeah. but we also are so different. And I think what I've learned is how much that difference has made my life better and how you pushed me to do things that I never would do. And you push me to see the world differently than I ever would see it. And, and it's, it's shaped everything about me. I mean, I, when you think of friendship over time what it should cause is is change and i i think it's so structural like to our dna like i just i feel like a different person and i could never quantify it it's not just mental it's emotional and spiritual and and that's what should happen over time with good friends and i think that's why it's so important that we pursue friendship that's not easy. And that's not exactly like us, but to do that takes more work. And, and I think what Tasha and I would both say is that work is worth it.
1: Yeah, I I would agree, you know, and I think sometimes even with your friendships, like even your friendships that you've had for a while, you know, there's still, Phases where you don't want to just connect with someone how you did twenty years ago yeah. or ten years ago. You want there to be growth and development in that friendship, and I think that's the thing too that's important. You know where, um you know, before you met me, there was not, there wasn't a be the bridge. There was, I wasn't even thinking about like. I wanted to have conversations, but I wasn't thinking about an organization, thinking on that that level in a sense. And then um, just some conversations with you, you know, having started If Gathering, you were like, this is your thing. And, you know, you remember we went back and forth and I'm like, no, it is not my thing. And, you know, but I, I, I go back to that because I know God used you and spoke through you in that moment to confirm what I really already knew, but was afraid you know? And so I think that's what also friendships are are, are about is challenging us to be our best selves. You know what I'm saying? I don't want a friend that I can just always be comfortable around. Yes. You, you want to be, you want to have your comfort and your friends that get you and that know you, but I also want friends in my life that are going to challenge me and stretch me, you know, and push me to step out of my comfort zone. Um, because especially with, you know, being, um, a nine with a wing ache. <laughs> you know, I can tend to be like, okay, you know, I, that looks like it's not going to be peaceful and I can see disruption happen to happening to my peace and yeah. I'm not going to go down that road. But sometimes I know that it's in me, but not wanting to admit that I'm, I'm just afraid, you know? And so, um, It's good for me to have friends around me that can affirm and that can push and that can challenge and that can dig deep, you know? And so I think you have friends in your life that serve different purposes, you know? I think your friendship has allowed me to dream bigger.
0: what everybody's thinking right now is I want a friend that is different from me, but what does that look like and how do I pursue it? And you would say really clearly, do not go up to, you know, the African-American (laughs) at Starbucks and ask them to be your friend. So let's talk about be the bridge and what that has looked like as far as how you've seen it change people's lives, because there are definitely steps in that process and you have built an incredible framework for people that are craving this.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Jenny, I think when people are desiring to have friends that are different, um, you know, I think one of those things, I think we should start with prayer, too, because like a lot of what was happening would be the bridge in these conversations started with Karen Yang and I meeting to pray every week for several months before I knew anything. And so we would meet, we were prayer partners and we would meet and we didn't know what we were praying for. We were just praying, you know, but we can sense that God was doing something in those prayers, but we didn't know. And now when I look back in hindsight, when all this stuff happened, you know, it's like, that was the seed, you know, of that. And you know, Karen is um Taiwanese American. And, you know, just the what I even learned from her about her story, her experience. You know what I'm saying? There's there's room for us all to grow in this. And so I strategically seek out friendships of those that um that have different lived experiences and, and differences. And so that can be, you know, social class, that can be um, you know as far as as it relates to your professional your professional life um you know this can relate to ethnicity you know this can relate to having friends that um, are not um maybe that are are far far from christ you know so there can be different things that you're looking for but in that diversity i think is just really important to know and how you go about it you know um, because we are from different cultures so we could make some missteps but you have to understand that nobody, no group is monolithic. And so, you know, some people like how you guys were able to make mistakes and fumble and all those different things, everybody doesn't have the same tolerance for that, you know? And and so we have to understand that and respect that. But I think praying about, okay, Lord, this is what I need. Um, This is what I desire. And then also doing some work on the front end of that, you know, so that when you're showing up to those friendships, you're showing up having educated yourself a little, maybe you're not showing up as green, you're not showing up as ignorant. And one of the things that I think that's key to point out too, is it wasn't like you came, you came to these circles and said, teach me. (laughs) You know, it wasn't like that. It was it was a mutual thing. It was a loving thing. We were connected in this. We were partners in this. So it wasn't this demand as to tell me everything you know. You know
0: that, and that's because it gets exhausting, right? I mean, I just want people to understand what you're saying that it gets exhausting for people of color to explain things, and so constantly. And I think we think, oh, this is loving. We're trying to understand, but that that gets tiring.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so, and just, you know, and then some people, you know, you have to realize that there's some people that's not going to want to be your friend <laughs> and that's okay. You just need to pray for that person of peace yeah, <laughs> that person. So good. Of peace. And and then understand too, that everyone's experience is yeah. different just because you're talking to, we, I do not represent the full voice of African-American women. Just like you do not represent the full voice of of white women, you know? And so our lived experiences are gonna allow us to see things differently. And so we have to understand that because a lot of times we'll say, Well, I have this one friend and that's not the that's not their story, and they said that wasn't true, and so they're born <laughs> Oh you know what I'm saying? We get that all the time. The thing is, like, oh. you know what, that may be their experience. But this is the thing I I would say, if 95% of the people saying it (laughs) and you, you looking for that 5% that that, they're saying otherwise, you, you believe what the majority is saying, you know what I'm saying? And so those are, so you have to understand that. And that's the way I say, you know, my experience growing up in suburban America is different from someone growing up in inner city, but I do not deny those experiences. You know what I'm saying? And so um, and so that's also, too, about, um, you know, people being able to listen and, and to understand one another's stories. Um, that's important um, across the board. But I would say, you know, you have if you, you can't do things the way you've always done it. You have to kind of step out like you guys. We met in a neutral place. We met at the African-American Cultural Center in Austin, Texas. For sometimes it would be in someone's, um, I think we had it in someone's home a couple times, but, you know, even with that, making sure that it's not always, especially as a white person, making sure that it's not always your home. But I remember one time I was going to host it and y'all were willing to come to my place, you know, being willing to put yourself in a situation, you know, that you haven't been in. And I think, you know, it's even to take pause when you think about there's people, that they've never had dinner or or been over a, a person that's a different ethnicity's home and had dinner or just hung out, you know. Um, and, and there's probably a lot of people listening to that. And if they just really went back over their life, they're probably thinking like, oh, my goodness, that's me, you know? And it's like, how do you change that? You Well, you change it by doing, you can't do things the way you've always done it, you know? You have to be willing to take a risk and to step out. And, you know, and if it's, you know, changing where you go work out, or where you go get coffee, or where you go to the grocery store, or doing some events that are typically what you wouldn't typically do. I just went to, I just got back from the Essence Festival. And let me tell you, <laughs> there was a lot of people there. Now, um, I think you have to be invited into something like that because it's like, I, I would say 99% African American women. <laughs> wow. But I'm just saying, like, you're talking about, I think 40 to 50,000 people. It was amazing. And so, but I'm just saying there's things like this and smaller events and different things that happen in your communities where, you know, you have to kind of step out of those comfort zones to do some things, go to conferences and things where you're going to meet people that aren't from the same box that you're in. You know, Um, maybe sometimes you have neighbors, you know, your neighbor may not come over and see you, but would you go and introduce yourselves to them? You know, yeah. um, you know, yeah. um, your kids and your families and your the the classes of your kids. You know, and making it a neutral place where it's not just always inviting people into your space, but being willing to go into another space as a guest. You know, um, uh, so that takes a different posture when you're going into another space as a guest. You know, so well,
0: I think what everybody needs to hear us saying is that. It takes risk, but that that risk is worth it. And and Tasha, you have continued to be on the front lines of risk in our country for this, and and I'm so grateful. But I I know both of us, trumpet relationship is the way. Like this is the bridge is relationship, yeah. and yeah. and that is a lot of work for both people, and yet it's one of the best things. Your friendship to me, Tasha, is one of my favorite parts of my life, and. You have changed everything about the way I view the world. And and I I don't know how you I could ever thank you enough for not quitting me when I was an idiot. <laughs> when I am an idiot. You just you stayed and you loved me and you keep loving me. And I'm so grateful for you. And and I know everybody's asking themselves the questions, okay, what do I do next? And I mean the greatest news in the world. Is Tasha has owned her calling and has not only started an organization that you can check out at beabridgebuilder.com, but you can also check out her new book that is coming out. Praise God. Tasha, you did it. <laughs> I've wanted you to do it a long time. And this is
1: this is the thing. It's like I'm sitting up here like listening to this conversation and I'm like, wow, I don't even know if I you know how a lot of people they have that desire. To write a book at some point in their life—that's a part of their life plan. This was not a part of my life plan, <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, I can't to that, yeah, it, you know <laughs> what I'm saying. It
0: was—it not- was hard. You you were you were reluctant to to take this mantle on, and-
1: yes, because it's hard work. It's hard work. It's costly, and um, you know this this work has cost people their jobs, their life. Um their, you know, um, their finances, their friendships, their family. Um, you know, this work comes with a deep cost. And I think, you know, when we started this conversation um in 2014, we were living in a different world than what we're living in now. Even now, just just that within those that amount of years, yeah. like the short it's amount a whole
0: different world, of different world, yeah
1: it's a whole different world you know and it's it, well i think i would say it's probably some of the issues are more emboldened now it's not that the issues were not there but it's just more emboldened now but i think it was preparation that um god was doing in each of us so that we can do that through the organizations and our families and our communities that we're a part of. I feel like God always starts with a remnant of people, and I feel like we were that a part of that remnant, and we're all doing things in our own Communities now, you know, um, as Karen's working a lot in the homeless community, Eloise is working um, a lot in the Latinx community in Austin. She does a lot of stuff with women. You know, Kim in the school working with the next generations relates to restorative justice. And we can go on and on. Jessica's leading women, the things that Jamie's doing, just all that. We can just go on and on. But look how God was igniting something. Yeah and influencers that can influence other people. And so I think I don't take that lightly, you know? And so, you know, so with that, you know, those are the things that drive, that were driven me to do the organization because I knew that, you know, okay, this is God because I know I don't have that desire, but I know that this is God calling me to do that. And so, you know, what Be The Bridge, I, I I keep it with the open hand, with this book, I keep it with an open hand, so that people will have a tool or something. And it's something about finishing this book. There was this, this this sigh of relief and this completion. And I'm like, Lord, if anything were to happen to me, my yeah. words are here. Yeah. Um, there's a pathway. There's something that people can take hold to to continue this work. And so, you know, that's that's important for me because I don't see this work of that is my own, I feel like, you know, this is ordained work by God. Yeah. And so therefore when I get rejection from people or disagreement, you know, although it may be painful, but at the process of that, I'm like, they're rejecting God, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not me, you know? And so that's the thing, I, I'm here on assignment. And so I'm gonna finish the work that God has called me to, to, to do and leadership is hard, running an organization is hard. Not only that is hard, but just our conversation. I was like, I wish I could just talk about joy. Like, Lord, why are you? <laughs> like, why can't I have the ministry of joy?
0: <laughs> well, but Tasha, you do in your own way. Do, like, yeah. you are uniquely built for this. I'm sitting here thinking of the cheesiest thing, which is that this podcast is called Made for This, and you are literally made for this. You are made for this work, and it is not easy work but you do do it joyfully and you have not, you have not gotten cynical and you have stayed the course and you believe the best about people and you keep doing the hard work and you trust God with it. And it is a beautiful thing to watch. And I just feel really honored that I've gotten a front row seat to it for the last several years. And yeah, and it is miraculous, you know, God, God is in this and, and it works. Relationships work. It causes compassion. And when compassion grows, understanding grows and when understanding grows space and room for each other grows and and that's what's happened and i just i know that when cooper is older he will hug you and one day he'll understand what your friendship meant to him with me because i know i'm raising him differently than i ever would have without you and a lot of other Feisty, because you always said, I'll be your, your black friend, but just so I'm not the only one. And I mean, talk yeah, about an army. Did I give you yeah, a timeline? Did I give
1: you a timeline? it's
0: pretty fast. <laughs> Praise God. We 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 had a whole posse before long. And
1: yeah. yeah. Was, <laughs> because,
0: because gosh, God, God provided. provided.
1: And the people know like, <laughs> you know my personality. Like, uh, um, you know, I'll I'll say stuff jokingly, but I'm very serious.
0: We're <laughs> so very, I'm, oh, I know. i yeah, <laughs> gonna be your only <laughs> black friend.
1: You need a, a whole
0: council of people. And and I mean, look at If Gathering. I mean, you go backstage and there's, I mean, If Gathering is such a sisterhood. And I mean, it has been so cool how God has brought unbelievable women of color that are leading and teaching and behind the scenes working to see this happen. And and I just, yeah, in my life here in Dallas, he's provided again and I just I can't believe it. I, I'm like God, thank you. So that whole prayer thing works. Like you, yeah. you think, oh, that's not enough. Yeah, no, pray because it has. Um, yeah, yeah, it has worked, and God, you know, and your eyes are open. I think when you pray too, and
1: and if you're if you're a person of color out there, you're in a circle where you're the only friend. Give them a deadline. Yeah, <laughs> you have
0: until yeah. yeah next week. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it worked, girl. Yeah. <laughs> you discipled as <us> well.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, don't, you know, don't put your friends in that situation and don't allow people to put you in that situation. You know, um, I think that's important, you know, so that we can really live this out. And I think one of the things we're talking about, you know, as it relates to friendships and this life as a racial bridge builder and, and when we start talking about racial solidarity and racial righteousness and stuff like this is a lifestyle like, you know, this right here is not a movement. Be the bridge to me. And what we started is not a movement. Um, this is a lifestyle that you live until Jesus comes because this is the right thing to do, you know? And, um, you know, I I often tell people, I'm like, if you're not doing this now, you're going to be really uncomfortable in eternity. (laughs) <laughs> like,
0: you know like
1: yeah. let's let's have some real talk like if you're uncomfortable yeah. now you're going to be real uncomfortable in turn in, in eternity so you you might want to start getting things right you know here you know you might want to get a little uh, uncomfortable you know um because i don't know about you i want a little bit of heaven on earth
0: I <laughs> you it's
1: so uh and so this thing is a lifestyle that we we live. And so we got to walk this thing out as difficult as it is. We got to walk this thing out. And if there's things that you don't understand, get a book, you know, start reading, start mm-hmm. listening, you know? And, I, I, you know, one of the things I, I'll say this and I keep saying is like, listen, learn and leverage your privilege, you know, like those mm-hmm. are some key important things um, for those that are part of the majority culture uh, that are coming to this conversation is to listen, learn, and leverage. And I think that's what you've done, uh, uh, Jenny. You're listening. And this is active. When we talk about this, it's not you listened, but you are listening. You know what I'm saying? That's an action word, you know, with that. You're learning. You know, there's there's books and and, and videos that I still continue to, to send. You know, there's, there's a whole thing that we have coming up in august that i sent you guys a whole bunch of work yeah. for you to do okay. right this is stuff here <laughs> you know this is not like <laughs> you just we when just stop okay <laughs> What it does. You know, we've been having these conversations for a couple of years, and, but I'm committed to this because I know for a lot of people, you know, transformation, it, it comes in seasons and we have to continue to transform. So it's not like we ever arrive in this, just it's just like our faith. We don't arrive. We still study the word. You know, we're still learning about God. Like every day we're learning something new. We see scripture and, uh, and you know, you read scripture one week and the next week you see something totally different in it. You know what I'm saying? And so um, the same thing with this, we don't arrive in this. And if you think you've arrived, that's when yeah. you know you're, done, you're doing it the wrong way. And so this there's growth for, for us all in this. And so um, I think that's important.
0: Hey, I'm grateful for you, friend. Thanks for not quitting me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny when you say that, thanks for not quitting me. It sounds like we're like in a um, high school relationship. Did you break up? <laughs>
0: Well, let's be real. There were times you could have quit me. <laughs> you know and that's it's not to say we don't have our bow, but sometimes
1: I want to quit people. I know. <laughs> see, I'm Not far from the truth. But you
0: see, I'll tell you, like, girl, I wanna quit you today. <laughs> I know. And that's why I love you so much. That's why oh, I love you so much. You know, so yeah. Aren't you glad you did this? Aren't you glad you did? Not this. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you've stuck with this? Like you have a whole different life than you would have had if you wouldn't have jumped into this. Cause I do think this was a huge risk and took a ton of courage, but you did it.
1: I do not regret it. It, Sometimes some mornings I'll say, God, you sure? (laughs) You know, but in the midst of that, I feel like you, when you know, you're in the right space and place uh, when you're on the right path, you know, when you're, Leaning into God's understanding and not your own—that's when you know, like to me, that like this is what I'm made to do. Like this is what I'm made for. This, and and to think back that the signs were there. Like, as I mean, you can see the signs of this in me in elementary school. If mm-hmm. you know, as I go back over and comb through my life, I can see this, but I had no idea what God was doing because if I knew, I would have ran from this. I would have did something to mess it up, to sabotage it. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, just how God has unveiled it, like it, you know, took me to Austin to do this work where I don't think this would have never happened in in Atlanta. But the whole time I was moving to Austin, I was like, wow, this... I don't I feel like I'm supposed to be in this city. I just feel like a square peg round hole. Like I don't know what it is. Like I'm supposed to be here, but I don't know why. And as these things start unraveling, you're like, Oh my goodness, God was setting me up, you know. Mm. So I think people who are listening is to trust God. He knows better. God knows better than we know ourselves and trust his plans and his ways and and really, 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 really the things that you know to do, do those things. You know, I used to say this all the time in my prayer. Look, and this is how I taught to Jesus. Look, I can't be accountable for the things I don't know. I'm just going to do the things I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, you know. And that's the only thing I could do, because sometimes you can be overwhelmed and I would have this thing where I'm going to do the next right thing this the the next right thing I know to do, that's what I'm gonna do. so I'm the next right thing I knew to do was I'm gonna have a conversation around this movie. I'm gonna have a conversation around this book. you know i'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna form I thought originally I was forming something for mocha women. That's what I thought it was gonna be for for African American women. That's what I thought I was doing at first, but and i I did that next thing and then God just kind of so it wasn't like I was just stuck. You know, but I just kept continuously doing that, whatever that next thing, that option that I felt that I should be um, stepping out on, you know, and and I would always remind God, well, I, I can't be accountable <laughs> for mm. the things I don't know, you know. And so and then I think just staying open and just staying prayerful and being accountable in your prayers with others, you know, is really critical as you think about what's next. Especially, you know, I mean, you wrote a book on how to get unstuck. So, you know, tell the people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tell the people. (laughs) No, girl, live it. It's easier to put examples in front of people. I think we always learn better. This is one reason I wanted you to be here is yes, we have a unique friendship that I think would be wise to be as risky to find, you know. And then I also think you're an example of of living it, of doing the hard thing for the good of others. And it is changing trajectories for individuals and I believe for
2: the world. Hey, hey everyone. This is Chloe. Wasn't that amazing? We just absolutely love Tasha. We respect her so much. Everyone at If Gathering can call her a friend. She's a cheerleader, just like Jenny talked about her in the episode. And one of the best things about this podcast is that we get to put people like Tasha in your ears, and you get to know her too, and you can call her a friend. So if today's episode kind of left you thinking and wanting to dive into this a little bit more you have to do this one thing today. You've got to pre-order her book called Be the Bridge that's coming out on October 15th. If you go to her website, you can click pre-order and get it in just a few weeks. It will be the absolute best thing you could read this year. Latasha's website is latoshamorrison.com and we'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well so you can just click right there and get to the book. Thank you so much for joining us again today and share this episode with a friend. You can text someone the link Or even send it to a friend and have them listen to it and then go sit at coffee and talk about this together. Like, what could this look like in my life? How can I flesh this out? We appreciate you guys. Thanks for joining us and we will see you guys next time.